This is Neil Erwitz at the Center for New American Security. We're talking today with Greg Allen, who's a new adjunct fellow in our Tech and National Security program. Thanks for being here, Greg. Great to be here, Neil. And um, he's the author of a new extensive report, Artificial Intelligence and National Security. Um, let me start with the kind of uh, obvious one. We hear a lot about how AI is going to reshape the economy, the workforce, day-to-day -day life, but we hear a lot less about how it's going to affect national security. So how is it going to reshape, as you argue, national security? Uh, in a lot of different ways. And we, in the report, tried to profile it across three different dimensions. The first is actual military superiority, uh, which is basically, can we make better weapons? Can we defend against those weapons more effectively? Uh, followed by economic superiority, because ultimately the root supporter of national power is usually the economy. You're only uh, as powerful as your economy can support. Exactly. And then uh, finally, information superiority, which deals with two aspects, both our ability to uh, enhance our intelligence and espionage capabilities, but also the pace of innovation itself, uh, and whether or not a lead in this technology makes you more likely to discover leads in other technologies that then reinforce, once again, military superiority, economic superiority. So you argue in the report that AI is going to be as transformative as nuclear weapons, along with a long list of other big changes, and that's obviously a big claim. What do you? What makes you think that the, this is going to be that big a shift? Sure, and and we are unabashed in the report about going forward and saying that uh, specifically, we said it's it's going to be as big as change as uh, nuclear weapons, aircraft, cyber technologies, and bioweapons, um, and we. We looked at those technologies specifically because we were interested in changes in technology that were revolutionary, not merely different. Um, and basically, everyone that we talked to said that AI was on that same level, um, such that the fundamental paradigms and approaches to national security that nations used uh, might not hold in the same way. Um, so an example of the types of things that we yeah. think are, are revolutionary across uh, AI is, is the extent to which it might change uh, the underpinnings of power and, and technology. So so we are used to technologies in the United States that are both expensive and complicated, uh, meaning that the only people who are likely to have them are likely to be great nation states, and even then, um, only great nation states who are really willing to spend what it takes uh, to have the advantages. So an example is stealth. It cost billions of dollars to develop. It was an advantage that lasted three decades, and if we had it and you did it, the odds are we're going to win in a fight. And the billions were in overruns alone. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so those are, the, those are the types of technological advances that we are used to. Um, what's different about artificial intelligence in the reason why it's going to be revolutionary is that while there are dimensions in which it makes great powers a lot stronger, there are also dimensions in which it makes great powers a lot more vulnerable. Um, because as prices fall, uh, and as most of the most interesting technological advances take place in commercial industry, um, the nature of the relationship between the public and private sector from a national security perspective changes dramatically. Well, and I wanted to ask particularly since, as you say, the vast majority of the leaps forward are coming in the private sector. How are we going to be able to incorporate those uh, advances in the private sector, particularly since they're not coming from companies that are always working with the federal government? How are we going to incorporate those those advances into our traditional national security? Yeah, 
and I think this is an important starting point. Um, I think a lot of people uh, still have a fantasy that maybe there's some super secret laboratory somewhere buried in the NSA um, that is actually a really advanced AI research laboratory and way ahead of the commercial industry. That is simply not the case here. Um, but the, I liked that fantasy. I know. It was, it was really uh, reassuring in some sense, maybe worrying in some other senses. But uh, the fact is it's simply not true. Uh, the vast majority of the advances in basic AI research and development, so sort of fundamental leaps in technological approaches that are relevant to a lot of different uh, interactions and applications of AI, those advances almost uh, you know, exclusively are being made by the private sector, which is not to say that there's not great work going on in uh, academia that is sponsored by the government, um, but there really is a lot more work being done in the private sector than we are used to here. Um, the DOD has uh, is paying attention to this. They are not ignorant of this fact, uh, and their official response um, is that they are going to develop an edge in applications of artificial intelligence, which is to say we will not necessarily be in the government side, the leaders in the basic AI R&D, but we will, among nation states and among people interested in military affairs, be uh, the leaders in instantiations and applications of AI for national security purposes. I think the problem with that approach, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong, but the, the problem with it is that so much of what is being developed in the commercial industry um, is a relatively easy port over to national security. Some stuff is quite hard, but some stuff is quite easy. Um, if long-distance drone package delivery becomes a reality, um, you know, we're talking over tens or hundreds of miles, um, then what you have also facilitated is that anybody who has the capacity to buy an IED, or sorry, buy or make an IED, improvised explosive device, now has the ability to pair that with a long-distance package delivery drone, and suddenly they have a poor man's version of precision strike weapons. Um, and so I think the, the difference in artificial intelligence is that the technology is so advanced, so capable, but also given the cost trajectory is likely to be so cheap and so accessible. Um, and that is what is so unfamiliar to the United States, to have leading edge technological capabilities that are definitely relevant to a war fighting context be available in the commercial market with minor modifications. Well, what you're talking about gives me tremendous anxiety. Um, so how does the U.S., how should DOD uh, prepare for, for this kind of uh, leaps and bounds change? Sure. And, and this report, I should mention, was commissioned by uh, IARPA, the Intelligence Advanced Research Projects Activity. Uh, that's the sister agency of DARPA. DARPA serves the military. IARPA serves the intelligence community. Um, but IARPA really encouraged us to take a whole-of-government frame. And so the recommendations that we have in the report are very much looking at um, not just what the DOD can do, but maybe what the State Department should do, what mm -hmm. uh, relative, relevant scientific R&D centers in the government should do. Um, I think our first overarching recommendation is that uh, is a paradigm shift, um, which is we need to say, once again, as I said before, um, Artificial intelligence technology is not merely different. It is revolutionary. And so you need to understand um, the technology as something where a lot of your old assumptions are going to need to be revisited. A lot of your old paradigms are not going to work. Uh, the costly and complicated versus cheap and simple uh, is one of those uh, types of paradigm shifts, but there are many others. And so when you adopt that different paradigm and you look at the existing portfolio uh, that the DOD has across its entire military asset base and technological asset base, some of the stuff upon which we rely very heavily today uh, might not be relevant, right? If um, if uh, if the long distance precision strike of a drone uh, becomes cheap and just all you have to do is take commercial hardware and lightly repurpose it, um, if it gets you know distances in the hundreds of miles, um, then stuff like aircraft carriers, which we're used to worrying about for ship uh, shipboard ballistic missiles. 
might actually be vulnerable um, for much simpler attacks. Might be vulnerable to uh, you know uh, terrorist organizations or other uh, yeah. smaller activities. Or a guy in a fishing boat. <laughs> exactly. And and so um, I was talking to a friend uh, of mine uh, last night, Matt Harris, who is very sharp on these issues, uh, and he was giving me the example of Billy Mitchell, um, who was uh, a person in the Army Air Corps in the interwar period, uh, and he was one of the champions of, of air power, and he needed to find a budget, um, and so what he did is he had an experiment where he took his plane out and bombed uh, a ship, a decommissioned uh, German World War I ship, uh, and proved that airplanes could sink battleships, and said, uh, air power is what matters, give me, the, uh, give me the money that you are currently giving to the Army Coastal Defense Organization. <laughs> um, and so while I'm not arguing for any kind of budget robbing, I am arguing for that type of paradigm, which is look at what the technological trajectories suggest. Look at what um, what capabilities that we know are going to be possible. Um, and then think about how that's going to reshape military power from a perspective of both what do we need to have in that world, but also what don't we need to have in that world? What do we currently spend a lot of money on that might not actually be that useful? Um, so that's one thing is that we need to be having these thought exercises. Um, and, and when we think about what types of thinking is needed, uh, our specific point of reference is the RAND Corporation during World War II, right? Which is you mm -hmm. have this dedicated entity with uh, experts across a lot of different disciplines who are thinking about this night and day because there are so many paradigms that are so baked into these military organizations um, that really do need to be revisited. Well, terrific. Thanks so much, Greg. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks.